0: Hey everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards.
1: I'm Julie Richards. I'm Sarah Wakefield.
0: And we're back in person. We did it, man! This is like seven months.
1: It feels like forever.
0: Oh my goodness! As soon as we got
2: this recording studio set up, (laughs) how many times have we even recorded in here? Like four.
0: Three, two. Yeah, any hardly
2: else. any. Like, I think we did it, but we then we had coronavirus.
0: Crazy. Yeah. Quarantine.
1: So good to see your face. Well,
0: we're back. The window is open. We're it's being
1: socially uh,
0: As far apart as we can with this setup.
1: With
2: little but we bars. did hand washing and temperature checking and yeah. wearing a mask on the way in and yeah. out.
0: Yeah, so don't worry about your hosts. We're fine. We're doing well. We're taking the necessary precautions. But it is really great to be back in person. I feel like there's an energy on Zoom that just isn't really captured. So, Mm-mm. as well as the connection issues, <laughs> especially <didn't. laughs> with the
2: internet connections where everything just breaks up and
0: there's just like a dog barking at certain points. But hey, we're it through. It. my
2: dog random challenges? Yeah which shout out to everybody who's trying to do school online Mm. and business meetings online and therapy online. The poor internet of the world is overtapped and it's just a challenge. It's such a, challenge. it's the exhaustion on your brain and looking at the screen all day. And that's hard for everybody.
1: You know, we talked about allostatic load early in the season. um, But it really is. I noticed it yesterday that that is even acknowledging it doesn't made it go away. And I kind of thought if I acknowledge the allostatic load, um,
2: that wanted to fix it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You wanted to be like, okay, enough of that. I've already said it's real. I understand the concept. It's this ever present (laughs) stress level that doesn't go away, but clearly by identifying it, it'll be gone. And no, it's, and and for the parents and students out there who are working under these insane conditions, you know, Keep going. You can do the hard things, but Mm -hmm. we're with you in spirit.
2: Yeah. Trying to juggle the job full time Mm -hmm. plus kids online Mm -hmm. in the same house with the same Internet Mm -hmm. with all the schedules that conflict. That is some hard stuff.
0: Yeah, I actually think this is the longest I haven't been staring at a screen since coronavirus started. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) I know. I kind of want to pick up my phone now.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll have a phone break every 10 minutes in this episode (laughs) (laughs) for everyone to just get their itch scratched.
2: uh, We're all becoming dependent on.
0: There you go. That's a great segue. Oh, Mom did it. oh,
1: look at wow. that, so this so week organic,
0: yeah. This week we're actually going to talk about codependency and kind of what it is. You know, it's a buzzword. We've talked about that. It's a buzzword that a lot of people will talk about codependency, but it's hard to actually figure out what it is. so we're we'll go over that and then we'll also talk about some healthy habits that we can do in order to kind of mitigate that codependency that we might be feeling in our day to day.
2: Sounds good. So I like looking through the lens of Pia Melody, which we've mentioned many, many times on our podcast. Um, Pia Melody talks about codependency as emotional immaturity. So basically, we don't really have a strong sense of self, of who we are, and we're not able to really differentiate or delineate who I am from who you are. And so it gets all tangled up. And so I start to feel the energy of everyone else's feelings. I start to, I don't have the boundaries to take care of myself first. I'm more um, concerned about taking care of everybody else. I'm more concerned about what they think. All my energy is going out.
1: Julie, would you say that you talk a lot about the different states of being like the, um, the adolescent The I'm blanking on all of them right now. It's like we
2: haven't been together in so long. You're getting ready to say adaptive,
1: but I don't think that's right. But
2: functional adult, wounded child, adapted adolescent.
1: Would you say codependency is prevalent under um, the other two, (laughs) the younger two versus the older two or the older one, the adult? So the functional adult adult would would
2: would have emotional maturity. Okay. yeah. And then the emotional immaturity could come in the form of um, the wounded child or the adapted adolescent. But I think, like, based on what, you know, we were also talking earlier about the idea of a continuum for a healthy connection that is also in Pia's model. And she talks about, um, on one side, it's more disengaged, which technically like if we think of boundaries, our boundary episode that adapted adolescent is walled off. Like they're very protected. They don't want to connect. They're
1: disengaged.
2: Mm -hmm. So they're more disengaged. I mean, officially according to that boundary spectrum. And then with no boundaries, it would be more enmeshed, which would be the wounded child.
0: Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, I will post something on the, uh, show notes that we'll actually go over. It's a graph called healthy connection and there's kind of spectrum from unhealthy to healthier to unhealthy again. So I guess it's one of those, uh, horseshoes. And on one end, you have disengaged. On the other end, you have enmeshed. And so I would like to kind of take a step again and kind of re-go over this idea of codependency because I do think that there are a lot of different people everybody's like, oh, don't be codependent or we're using those bu- uh, essentially buzzwords to describe another buzzword, codependency. And so maybe to clarify, we've talked about before Codependency is kind of on that enmeshed side where the boundaries are fuzzy. Like mom said, the it's hard to differentiate between what is me and what is you and what's my identity and what's your identity.
2: And my energy is all going into really taking care of somebody else. (laughs) So the whole idea of the oxygen mask on yourself first is not, um, for someone who's codependent is I'm making sure everybody else is okay. I'm really worked up about what they think and what they feel and how this affects me. And I think it's what's underneath that is an insecure sense of self, or I'm going to feel valuable. If I take care of everybody else, I'll be needed. I'll be wanted. And so there's a sense of, I don't have value and worth just for being me. I don't know who I am in my own sense of self. I'm more, so connected up with somebody else.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that there are a couple, I I like taking, I think often I think of these things through like a lens of my partner. Right. But instead taking this to apply to any relationship and maybe some real world applications are both like we mentioned this in a, a prior conversation, like somebody who gets lost in the relationship, somebody who their whole identity becomes the other person's likes and dislikes. Um and that might feel like in the moment you're just trying to be uh say interesting things for that person Beautiful. or you're right, do exactly what they want to do so that you fulfill their needs. Um, or a people pleaser. Yeah, a people we'll be pleaser. Under that category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing I would say too is like maybe parental um uh codependency, being like, Well, hmm, I'm looking at my career options and I know what my parents want me to do and I know kind of like that isn't really what I, what I want to do. So maybe I should do it anyway, though, you know, that kind of obligation to, to please other people at the expense of your own. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty much what codependency is?
1: I
2: think that has some good connections to it. Some of it is also like, instead of just having, I think sometimes the intent can be good. I want to help someone. I want to care for somebody, but if we take it too far where all of our energy is in kind of obsessing about other people and what are their emotions and what are their problems and how do I give advice?
1: Um, Like how can I feel my feelings um, without checking in with the other person? So uh, when I think of codependency, I think of caregivers and I think of, well, I can't feel happy if that person's feeling sad Mm -hmm. or I can't feel my own feelings unless that, unless I've taken care of, of that person mm-hmm. and they're feeling good. So if they're feeling good, then I'll feel good. If they're angry, then I'll feel anything, but what I actually want to feel mm-hmm. is that.
2: Yeah. That kind of brought up that phrase in my mind of if mama ain't happy. Nobody's happy. Yeah. yeah. Like just like I everything is, we can't have our own experience, our own thoughts, our own feelings. They have to be dependent on the other person.
0: Okay. I'm going to take a quick out. Uh, let's, uh, I'm just going to write down the time, 2841. You can write whatever you want. I also
1: bumped my... So, Julie, something else I was thinking of that Samuel had mentioned with regards to parental relationships is also the reverse of a parent living, a lot of times you'll hear, vicariously through their children Mm. or deriving their self-worth from their child's engagement with them and only feeling valued if that other, if this child re- returns the love that th- that this parent is giving, um, and if the parent doesn't see that love being returned, then they become resentful, they become angry and upset. Is that another form of codependency?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've talked about it kind of as an abusive relationship because it's a role reversal mm-hmm. that my needs are getting met through my child. Mm-hmm. So whether it's my self-esteem that I feel more valuable as a person because they are a reflection of me that's entangled and enmeshed and um not healthy
0: i also like that we've taken some time to explain it because i think it makes it more clear a codependent relationship where both people are codependent on each other and how the arrow still is going one way instead of being like that double-sided arrow that you're both giving each other what you need Like, it's just one person is always just thinking about the other person. The other person's just constantly Mm -hmm. thinking about the other person. And that probably involves, like, complete enmeshment, uh, if you refer to the graph again. Like, just kind of never spend any time with anybody else, like, constantly worried about their own, somebody else's window of tolerance, I guess, or all sorts of things. Because for a while, for me at least personally, codependent relationships were hard for me to grasp, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like if both people are getting what they, you know, but I guess they're not getting what they want. They don't have autonomy.
2: I think that's the key point Mm -hmm. is that there's no secure sense of self. It's like an insecure, um, I have to, I'm only okay if you're okay, is kind of what you were saying earlier, Sarah. Like I can only be happy if they're happy because I'm too nervous of what's happening between us if that's not secure.
1: In the book, um, Codependent No More, um Melody you, Beatty. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Melody Beatty, she talks a lot about codependence with regards to addiction. Mm-hmm. Um and even um being con the being concerned that if you're the caretaker of somebody who has an addiction, if that person gets healed or not gets healed, but goes through the healing process and um goes through um recovery. Recovery, thank you. Mm-hmm then that person's going to lose some of their identity, their identity as this caregiver, their, their hold on this person. And through that person, that addiction becomes important to them.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a caretaker that they are just trying to meet the needs to be important, to be valued, to be wanted, to be needed.
0: Okay. What about temporary codependency? Like somebody is sick. So then you're their literal caretaker. Like, wouldn't there be a brief period of I think that's of a caregiver.
2: Like, I'm giving care is appropriate. Mm. I don't think of nurses. I mean, I, like, caretaker would be more of, like, I am taking something. It's meeting my need. I'm not giving care for the purpose of helping support you. As a functional adult who's someone is needing support is valuable, important. That's, like, a good, healthy thing. If they genuinely need help, it's okay to ask for support that makes us interdependent. Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what, what, let's say, for example, because I think it's important to hash out, not necessarily a specific example, but anyway, essentially you're out hanging out with your friends and you're child texts you like hey i'm like homesick and i'm not feeling super well can you bring soup you know and come home and comfort me and so then you're kind of at an impasse like what do i want to do like what would i do or what would be best for the other person and i mean my go-to was i want to help the other person but is that codependency at that point point? and is that healthy codependency because it's brief like hey, I've been throwing up all day. I really need some help. Like, that's a brief codependency as opposed to...
2: I don't like connecting it with being a healthy codependency. I don't think that that's possible. It's more of I am giving you support because you need it. Mm. And that's healthy.
1: Maybe there's a different scenario for a a child parent. Maybe the um, child is doing something that requires, that's not a need uh, an immediate need, a health need, because I think health needs are different mm. in this scenario or in this codependence and codependency. I think taking care of someone who is bleeding, sick. You
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, my situation could have fallen well under that. No, yeah. but
1: I understand what you're t- we're trying to flesh out. What is exactly codependency in the real world? Yeah. So we have the theory behind it. We have the um the application of these healthy connection roles that Sam's going to post. But what does it actually look like? Maybe mm-hmm. it's a child who can't like you need to raise a child who can ad- who can become a functional adult. And so they need to be able to stand on their own two feet and operate without you. So maybe helicopter parents are good. Like that's a codependent relationship from the parent to the child.
0: I was thinking like maybe a child who uh, is having difficult with homework, difficulty with homework or something and you just start doing it for them.
1: Yeah, I think that would or be a great codependent.
0: Like- there's something where
1: (laughs) i mean what (laughs) a great (laughs) codependent example people just an example good example
0: it's yeah yeah i i do think that's interesting i do agree with that mindset and i don't know if it's health therapist approved mental health therapist approved but um that idea of like immediate needs like need to survive are different than other needs Mm -hmm. because like I mean, I I immediately thought of like an equivalent situation, like somebody's having a heart attack on the floor, and you have like food in front of you. Are you going <laughs> to eat the food and then help them out, or are you just going to help them out? So, yeah, I think it's an equivalent situation, but I do uh, I see what you guys are saying. It
1: depends on the food. <laughs> there you
2: go. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the idea of we have all all different kinds of needs. I mean, we've got the physical or safety needs. We also have attachment needs Mm. to be seen and heard and understood Mm. and um, welcomed and that kind of relational attachment things that are really important. I don't think you just disregard those um, to say like, oh, I have to focus on myself first.
1: Like when we visited orphanages, um, you know, the the, or or children especially need that those Mm -hmm. attachments. Um, To grow up to be functional adults, they need that care. And it's not a matter of, okay, you're a baby, like take care of yourself while I go meet my needs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to give, that is not a codependent relationship, an unhealthy one. It sounds like it might actually be a
2: healthy. Right, there are definitely legitimate needs that we need to meet. Mm. The issue becomes for that person who is in the middle of it, if they are only taking care of everybody else and all their energy is going out and they don't know who they are and they don't know what they think or feel. They don't know. We talked in a recent episode about, am I Samuel when you and I were just on that episode by ourselves about, um, do I have the stamina right now for me to be able to help somebody or not? Like we're all going through a pandemic. There's different levels of, um, what that chaos looks like for each family, there are times that you have to go, I have to put the oxygen mask on me Mm -hmm. because I'm going under if I don't. And so I think those needs for taking care of children, whether it's in that orphanage setting or in our families or wherever, yes, of course they have legitimate needs, attachment needs, connection needs. However, we can't fully meet them well if we're depleted ourselves.
0: Yeah. I do think that we have to factor our, me, yeah. yeah,
2: we have to factor ourselves in is another way to say it of like, okay, I have to make sure that I, my self-care is really solid, that I'm getting sleep and nutrients and some social engagement with people that can be um, life-giving to me too. Because if all I'm doing is pouring out, we've kind of talked before, I think about the idea of you can't give from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. You have nothing left to give. So that that doing it that way is a form of codependency because it's, I'm not, I have nothing left. So I must be gaining my, where that serves me is that I feel like I'm such a good mom or friend or because I'm giving so much. I'm, I'm feeling valuable because I am um, needed and serving and giving and, So I'm getting something back from that. It's that altruistic, oh, I'm such a great person or, oh, I'm such a great teacher or parent or whatever. So that becomes a codependent thing.
1: It's like, look how empty my cup is and look at what I can do because my my cup is so empty and I'm doing all of these things. There's a self-worth of, there's there's a value that you obtain from operating with your cup so empty, a pride almost like a status uh, symbol of yeah i give so much yeah that would be a sign of a codependent relationship if that's where mm-hmm. your self worth is coming from is saying like look at me like i i slave all day i uh wore kind of myself out yeah exactly mm-hmm. i kept thinking martyr but i didn't, didn't want to go that route but um i wonder if that's a way to to just get an idea of whether or not you're in a codependent relationship
0: I love how this builds on everything that we've talked about for a while. Codependency or just this idea of dealing with healthy healthy relationships is a accumulation of our talk about boundaries. Like obviously this brings up boundaries, but also the window of tolerance, like being within your own window or self-care. Like there's so much that fits into this. Assessing yourself, like really having some body um connection so that you can feel what you're feeling and what your needs are. Um yeah, I love the graphs that you made, Mom. I wonder if we can post those because I think it so clearly defines that this uh graph, I mean what this uh columned graph doesn't really represent well is the importance of boundaries and how in your one um in your one picture, there is no sense of boundary. And the other one, like everybody is a distinct individual. So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely important. And, um,
2: So the two pictures that Samuel's talking about, just to give some clarity, since you all aren't in our same room with us, um, these came about in kind of an organic way when I was doing a workshop with some people and trying to explain the concept of codependency. And, if you're in the middle of a tangled up, there's no clear boundaries, my energy's all going out. um what that ends up creating for you is a lot of exhaustion and feeling tangled up, losing energy, um feeling ameshed. You might have different thoughts of like, why is my life not okay? Why isn't this working? Um I can't do this. I can't keep this up um being angry or irritable or caretaking, um, having guilt and pressure, like I have to keep doing this. It's crazy making because I don't know where I am in the midst of that. I'm kind of lost. All I'm doing is pouring out and nothing is coming back in. So I don't have a, a strong foundation. And compare that to the second picture that I made that's with a secure sense of self, where it's much more clear where I am and who I am. I know myself. I know what my reality is. I have my thoughts, my feelings, my fears, my hopes, my dreams, my needs and wants and preferences. I know who I am. And even though we can be on that journey where we're figuring that out, you know, it's not that you have it all figured out, but you you stay in touch with yourself. You, you have a way to kind of come back home to yourself of um, having some differentiation between you and somebody else that you're still able to have a connection and mutuality and interdependence. So we have arrows that kind of go both ways. There's something coming in to connect me and refuel me and um, so that I can be my best self. And then I'm also mutually giving out. So it's balanced. It's interesting when you look at these two pictures too, because if you first of all, it's not that we just have it all mastered and that we stay in one or the other, Um, but it's more like how the day is going. And this is very similar to our window of tolerance, because when we're in that green zone, ventral vagal, social engagement, we feel more like we have a secure sense of self and we are um, in a good place. We feel regulated, we feel good. But whenever we get outside our window of tolerance, we're more likely to get our boundaries all tangled up with each other and be exhausted and overwhelmed and frustrated. And so we can go back and forth throughout the day, even I think. And it's interesting to sit with the two pictures and to notice what's happening in your nervous system as you look at one or the other. Like if you're looking at this tangled up codependency, you feel some tension. In your body, like, oh, like that's gonna choke me out or it's gonna frustrate me or exhaust me. But if you look at the secure sense of self that has some delineation and boundaries and it's clearer, it's calmer, it's peaceful, it gives your nervous system a sense of relief.
1: Just looking at these two, when you show the picture. The one diagram yeah. of the chaos, my heart rate, yeah, gets, anxiety. I get, I get like <laughs> tense and like oh, this is so uncomfortable. And then you show me the other one of a secure sense of self. I'm like,
2: oh. right, you can exhale, you can breathe.
1: Yep. Yeah. So yeah, and
2: it is all about <laughs> it is all about our nervous systems and how our nervous systems communicate with each other, and that is important because we're trying to figure out how to listen to our body and our feelings are messengers, and we're able to connect and see what our needs are and be able to meet those needs.
0: Actually, what that probably feels like is what, what you guys mentioned earlier. I forget the term, but like the constant connection to your phone that it actually exhausts you more. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that called?
1: The allostatic load?
0: Yeah, I think so. That's
1: a, that's a stress. That's a, a stress level, oh. right? Oh. Isn't that a constant mm-hmm. stress?
0: Well, I know, right, I, I know that, that we feel engine. it whenever we have our phone on us because those yes. notifications. Yes, no, those, you're right. Yeah. You're right.
1: We did talk about that in the same episode. So if you go back to one of our first episodes about coronavirus and the allostatic load, it was well, mm-hmm. like two or three, into, maybe one or two into it. But we did talk about that constant curiosity, like being aware of like the ping. Like,
0: yeah. I get the ping. You're hyper aware of your phone. Mm-hmm. And I think that the same, I feel a similar thing with codependent situations mm-hmm. like where you're actually thinking about something else. So you're actually like hyper aware of what somebody else is feeling or thinking. Yep. And, um, that's just what came to mind. Um, another thing that came to mind is whenever you're talking about buzzwords, I was thinking of another buzzword that might work because I think it might be in terms of black and white, but maybe roles, uh, and you can confirm or deny this, but I just kind of had this thought if somebody kind of says like, oh, well, I'm their parent or like, well, I'm their like son or I'm their partner, mm-hmm. you know, like and it kind of obligates you to do the next thing, you know, because you're so focused on your role rather than your individuality.
1: Is that like when we introduce ourselves and we give, you know, where, where do you work? Like you say with your name and then you're like, oh, well, what do you do? Yeah, so like, identity is yeah. tied up in that. Is that Kind of where you're going with
0: yeah it? yeah or to say like introduce somebody that like this is my girlfriend and mm-hmm. so the role is then like the girlfriend you know
1: and then you behave as the girl like yeah then you're like oh my I must be the girlfriend which has this caretaker yeah yeah association or who's
0: something. reliant on somebody else yeah. like there's a person who has a girlfriend yeah. you know and so then you're reliant and I don't know if I'm just like over analyzing these terms I don't but know. I could I like see it. I could see like the roles inserting like a black and white mindset of like, if you view, let's just stick with that partnership role as like, well, you know, as, as a girlfriend, you know, I need to be supportive and present, Mm -hmm. but, and it doesn't really take your emotions and feelings into account. You're just thinking about your role. Like I need to be present and here instead of, does that make sense?
1: It does tie in, I think why I like the word partner. And I know Mm -hmm. you use that when you discuss your relationship with your um, significant other, it is a partnership, right. and I do think that gives that person autonomy. So maybe if you can't describe your significant other <laughs> <laughs> without using or by using the word partner, maybe you are in a codependent relationship. There you
0: go. Yeah, <laughs> just I love kidding. It. You're not. I do love the word partner for that reason because it's like we're partners. You know, it's not a hierarchical thing. Mm-mm. But, and I also think of the Wild West. So it works both ways. Like, Do you say partner? We're partners. <laughs> 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 but I was just thinking about different, like buzzwords that could uh, kind of put us in that place. You know, I'm going through dialectical behavioral th- therapy right now. So that is where my mind is going in terms of black and white. Um, the word should being mm. like a trigger word, I can also see being in, used in terms of like a codependent relationship, like I should be there or I should be helping them out, you know, like putting yourself into kind of this, well, you have to do it or you don't have to do it.
1: My therapist once said, sorry, Julie, just really fast. You shouldn't, shouldn't all over yourself. <laughs> don't shit yeah. on yourself is what yeah, i saying. I've yeah, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. So more of a
2: codependent kind of helping is going to feel like an obligation right. or being a compulsively, I need to do this instead of feeling like I have a choice in this that I can factor myself in, which I think is an important distinction.
0: I also, maybe going over this last question that I like that I've been using recently in order to um, boundary myself, which is what does my body want or what does my body need right now? And if I'm feeling pulled in a ton of different directions, then I can't take something else on, you know? And so being able to ask myself that question before I'm like, yeah, sure, I I can help with that. Or I can do that. Just asking, taking a second pause and being like, well, what is my body asking for right now?
2: Mm -hmm. I think that's important because it's kind of like your sense of home or knowing yourself of coming back to that groundedness of my secure sense of self.
0: And like you said before, I can't really help someone if I myself am drowning. Mm -hmm. If I can't breathe, how can I put the oxygen mask on you? Mm
2: -hmm. For sure. It's
1: definitely something I've learned in my relationships through therapy and the new relationships I've formed. It's taking, I'm not trying to be mean to the other person or to say, no, you're not important to me, but I have to take care of myself. I have to put that oxygen mask on. And if I don't, the results are way worse what I'm finding with my own relationships is if I don't take the time to take care of myself, it ends up far worse later on. Um, so if somebody wants to spend their time with me and I want to spend time with them, but maybe I've booked myself too much for that day, I will be so cranky the next day. I will be irritated. I will be far worse off than if I had said, you know what, I care about you deeply, but I can't, I need to take this time. Like I need to take this time for myself and I need to recharge. And it's not because I don't love you or don't care about you. It's Mm -hmm. I will be a better partner to you if I get to take this time for myself. Um, Or Sam, you were talking about, you know, checking in with your body. And a lot of times, you know, I want to say, yes, I love being a helper. If I can give you like whatever you need, then I will do it because I've gained some self-worth out of that's not healthy, but I've gained some idea <laughs> of self-worth. I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> um, out of- Otherwise, people will be like, oh, yeah, I should do that. Yeah, like, I, I should everyone. do that just like Sarah does. No, don't do what I do. Um, but I do check in with my body. I have to I have learned check in with yourself. Can I take this on? Can I say yes to this? And does it come from a healthy standpoint? Like, do I maintain that same sense of functional adult or am I slipping into, well, I'm going to do this so that they feel so that I feel like they like me or so that they show that they like me because I could really use that affirmation from them. Even though Or because healthy.
2: I can't even tolerate that they would be upset. Yes. Like that would be a boundary issue. If what I do isn't enough, I have to do more because they'll be upset. Then I'm taking care of their feelings so that they don't interrupt my feelings.
1: Yes. I think that's a big component of codependency. Because
2: mm-hmm. we're out of touch with ourselves mm-hmm. of okay, they're allowed to have their feelings. They're allowed to be upset. They're allowed to be disappointed or hurt, not because you're intentionally trying to hurt somebody, but because they have their own reaction to it of how it's impacting them. I can still do my best to be kind or respectful or um, I always like the word honor and Samuel doesn't like that word. (laughs) So we kind of pick our terminology for it, but like I I can have the best in mind for somebody else and still factor myself in and to be able to say, I have to be true to myself. And really when we look at that picture of that codependency side and it's so exhausted, how can I give, even if my intention is, uh, so good that I want to love, or I want to, you know, I want to be very giving that might come from a good place on one level, Mm -hmm. but if I can't sustain it because I'm so depleted, it's going to come out as exhaustion, guilt, pressure, irritability, frustration, because then it could also turn into resentment. Like, did they appreciate it enough? Are they glad that I did that? Mm -hmm. Or do they need me? I mean, it's just, it does, it gets very tangled up. So I thought it would be good for us to talk a little bit about, like, as we're kind of maybe segueing into a different part of this is like, how do we be more mature emotionally? How do we be more functional adult? What are some things that we can Focus on instead of just what not to do, but
0: what
1: would it look like to be healthy in this? Say no to everything and everyone all the time,
0: yeah, I so say you flip it in the opposite direction
1: <laughs> that seems really you're going funny. too
0: fast, reverse the car
1: wow, <laughs> you've taught us well, Julie yeah, oh gosh and we've trouble. listened to
0: every episode,
1: <laughs> oh dear
0: no, for sure, you know we have been kind of teasering now now, how do you kind of get in that place and i I do think. One listening to community roots, going back at our old episodes. But seriously, it really does bring up that idea of window of tolerance, boundaries, being able Mm -hmm. to hold up one hand over your heart and the other hand extended. Taking a deep breath, I think, is almost key to my Mm recentering. That the first thing I have to do is kind of like clear my head and just make a decision then, as opposed to. I'm in the moment. Pick, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. can you help me or not? Can you, can we do this real quick? And it's just, I need a breath. I need to check in with myself first.
1: Mm -hmm. Is it too much to ask yourself or question your motives? Ask yourself, well, why am I? What's driving this? this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that, is there opportunity to do that?
2: I think it's a fair question. Like what's, what is motivating me to do this? What drives, what's underneath this? Mm. Another piece of this that you know, you're listing out a lot of good things from previous episodes. Self-care is essential. You know, we don't have to go into a a big explanation of that in this episode right now. I know that people in general, when I sit with them and talk about self-care, there's almost this look of like disappointment or frustration. Like, really? That's the answer? That doesn't help. I can't <laughs> do it. I'm not sure it's going to get me anywhere. And I'll even say sometimes like it feels like it's you're drowning and you have a spoon in your boat that you're trying to take out the water. So you don't go under. It's like, how does that even seem like it'll work? But whenever people come back to me and they're in a better place and they're feeling better, I can pretty much guarantee you if I talk to them, they've changed their relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. They're taking better care of themselves. They have more self-respect, more self-love and they're able to see all the different ways that they're doing the self-care, the very things that they thought like, were frustrating or why do I have to do this? Or they resented it. It's like, they've shifted that relationship to prioritize themselves. You will feel better when you're taking good care of yourself. You will see a difference. It takes some time, a little bit at times.
1: It does feel incremental mm-hmm. when you take those first steps of identify, of identifying self-care um, opportunities.
0: I think, I'm someone that I feel it pretty close. Like I feel it in the day to day. Um, Just the other day I had a bad day and I was like, why was today so hard? And I thought back and it wasn't really any instance. Like I didn't have any deadlines. There was nothing really stressful. And I was like, well, I didn't eat until noon. And then the next time I ate after that, it was like a cheese stick at like 3 p.m. Like, so I just wasn't getting any nutrition and my body was on starvation mode. And... I, the next day I kind of restarted. I mean, that night I tried to, I was like, well, I'm still going to eat healthy, but I don't want to like just overload and then just go to sleep grumpy. But the next day I kind of rethought over some of the things that were really annoying me and really getting under my skin. And I'm just like, Hey, things happen, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's just a night and day difference between the difference between getting food at the right time and not getting food at the right time for me was a switch. Mm -hmm. So I definitely do think that it can help in really big ways, like pulling an all-nighter and then taking a test the next day as opposed to having the correct amount of sleep. Like, it might seem incremental for, I guess, it could also be incremental as well, especially if you've been pulling five or six (laughs) all-nighters and then you just get sleep that last night. But just how important important and immediate, I think, self-care is and not shopping, 'Cause I know we're talking about self-care a bunch now anyway. But that's <laughs> just oh. well and
1: self-care isn't let's go to the I mean, self-care can be treat yourself on a very uh like brief level or um Whatever. in one way. In one way. But it's it's not about let's go to the spa, let's buy all the things, because you'll feel worse after you buy all the things and you look at your bank account. And then you have or if you move and you have to move all those things you've bought. My point is self care isn't what you think of almost immediately sometimes in a society that perpetuates self care being um treating yourself it's identifying mindsets that are unhealthy it's taking the first step and saying and put and establishing a boundary um it's not it's getting enough sleep so that you can make those decisions mm-hmm. it's filling yourself with the nutrition so that you are not grumpy and irritated at every little thing and you can identify and become more attuned with your inner child, your inner person, your, yourself, um, your functional adult so that you can make decisions that are based out of love, but based out of a strong sense of self-awareness. Um, am I, am I tracking right on this? Yeah, that's good stuff. Mm, Thank you.
0: And then to be able to check in with yourself often, like Mm -hmm. not only doing that, but also checking in I felt lucky that I checked in with myself the other day cuz I was ready to yell at my partner. I'm like, well, it's not their fault. You know, like I I'm just kind of grumpy and hungry, you know, and they accidentally knocked like my drink, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a complete accident that I was ready to go to 10 and I was like Okay, check in with yourself a little bit. You haven't eaten today. <laughs> check
1: yourself before yeah. you check. Yeah, <laughs>
0: seriously. So I think uh, that checking in with yourself is important too, because life is super busy and mm-hmm. it catches up real quick. Mm-hmm. And one day can go one way, and another day can go the next. So,
1: and it's not a cure all. Like you don't emerge um, emerge from a codependent relationship, and then all of a sudden you're healed, or y- you don't heal yourself a codependency. It's this. It's this constant. Checking in with yourself. I mean, you take great steps to become aware of codependent relationships and how to be um, who you are and uh, that self-awareness. But it does take constant um, reminders, constant check-ins. I mean, here's Samuel. you're like Va-
0: a muscle. like just, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Developing that muscle yeah. is always
2: a good analogy, I think. And I think I just... What's coming to mind for me as we're talking about this for just a moment is to say that even whenever you feel so depleted and you feel like I can't do anything, when people are really feeling very heavy and low, say with depression or completely overwhelmed in a panic and anxiety, it's the small things. If you can find some sense of agency to do just a little bit, that becomes very powerful because it's the mindset that's like... When we're in kind of a negative spiral of "I can't do it, it's too much, it's not going to help, that we're just we'll continue to spiral down, but if we you know attempt to make one small step, mm-hmm. one small moment, and then build on those from there, it will help. but circling back around mm-hmm. <laughs> if we can, I wanted to mention uh, the work of uh, Sharon Martin. Um, she has a website called livewellwithsharonmartin.com and I've reached out to her and she's potentially going to be on an episode with us coming up in the future, which I think would be great. But she has so many great resources, handouts. Um, she actually has an entire kit on healing from codependency, which is awesome. It was like $9, very affordable for all kinds of different um reminders, helpful tidbits and um, journal exercises and affirmations and all kinds of things. So it helps bring some clarity. Sometimes whenever you can kind of see what does codependency look like, what is true helping and what does that look like? And you can kind of compare and see where am I lining up with this? What do I find myself doing? Am I more one? Am I more the other? And where can I, where do I need to like make some adjustments where I might be sliding too far into something that's codependent? So just for some examples, like if we're able to consider other people's needs and your own needs and your own limitations, and that's balanced, you're in a, you're in a good place with that. If you have um, boundaries and you can be flexible and respectful and you've got a, a healthy distinction of yourself and others, those are all going to be healthier relationships and not Uh, codependency. There's also um, the idea of what kind of self-talk, like how do we talk to ourselves? Do we have things that we're kind of drowning in with feeling like everything's my fault? I'm worthless. I shouldn't be having needs. I shouldn't spend time or money on myself. um, It's not that important. I can wait. I really don't need it. Like, are are we dismissive of ourselves or could it look healthier and be more of a functional adult if we take responsibility for what our thoughts and feelings and actions are and we let someone else take responsibility for theirs we're not saying that they're incapable so we have to do it for them we're able to show that somebody else um, has strengths as well that they can use Um, it's knowing that doing things for myself is a healthy thing that's not selfish that my needs matter And I can tolerate difficult feelings. So if you're upset, you're allowed to be upset. It's okay that you're upset or you're frustrated or disappointed. I don't have to fix that. I don't have to jump in right away and do something to rescue you out of that. It's okay if we just sit with hard feelings and that we can be okay.
0: I just wanted to say uh, in that instance, something that I try to do after a difficult moment or a moment that I've had to kind of, set a boundary or um had to practice self-care in a time that I wasn't really doing it even though it seems simple uh oh i affirm myself normally afterwards i'm like good job you were really listening to your body on mm. that one you know um and i think it's helped improve my own consciousness of my own body uh just affirming myself and saying hey you're really taking the steps to Uh, listen to yourself and taking health, healthy mental health steps.
1: What a kindness to yourself instead Mm -hmm. of beating yourself up, instead of saying, Oh, well I did this wrong or I haven't, I didn't fix this or I didn't master this or whatever you you are. You are lifting yourself up. You're pouring into yourself Mm -hmm. filling that cup.
0: Yeah. And something that I actually did too. It wasn't a rainbows. It Mm -hmm. was like, uh, You know, I I heard myself, I listened to myself and I reacted. So I do think that's a lot healthier than sometimes I'm like, oh, I should have already have done this, (laughs) you know, or like, why didn't I already just eat? Like it was so simple, but instead just not getting frustrated because I do think self-talk is so important.
2: Mm -hmm. And listen to the ways that we talk to ourselves to say, where's that coming from? Yeah. How could I adjust some of that so that it's not so harsh? not putting so much pressure or judgment or criticism on ourselves and to have loving kindness for ourselves that will come out in our relationship with others too, that, um, we feel more solid and in a good place. We're going to give that back out to others. I think of yoga with Adrian and she mm-hmm. talks about lots of love in and lots of love out. That's exactly. it.
0: Mm-hmm. We need to have Adrian on this show. I swear. I, I know like if she 40 would people who watch yoga with Adrian. I'm like, geez,
2: Well, you know, she has like 8 million followers or something.
0: I was kind of wondering if it was a Pia Melody thing again, where I'm like, yeah, they're like worldwide famous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think she's global. I'm pretty sure Adrian is global. Yeah, she's worldwide. She's so cool.
0: Yeah, that dog is probably more famous than I am, really.
1: (laughs) All Bungie. Bungie rocks.
0: Cool, yeah. What are some other uh, viewpoints?
2: Well she has some um positive affirmations that help heal codependency and it's coming from a place of I am enough.
0: Hmm.
2: Um it's okay to say no. I don't have to fix everyone else's problems. And sometimes you know affirmations can get a bad rap from people sometimes because they're like oh it feels so disingenuous like I don't relate to that. And I do think that the key to a positive affirmation which we've started to add to the end of our shows mm-hmm the key to it is what resonates with you. Because if you try to stick a positive affirmation on that feels like a bandaid on a gaping wound mm. or it's not relevant or it doesn't sing to you, I think semantics really are important and mm. meaning is really important. Like we're all so unique in what feels really resonating for us. It's like if it sings to you and it really like you can feel that in your nervous system of like, Oh man, that was so true. But then there's other things that you're like, meh, yeah, not so much. It doesn't hit me in the same way.
1: Somebody spray painted on our sidewalk, you can do hard things. And, you know, that would definitely hit me two different or multiple different ways, depending on how I feel that day. And it's nice to not have to think, oh, well, it's a positive affirmation. I need to carry that along with me, even though I'm feeling not in the mood to hear that. And it's Mm -hmm. not giving me anything. But there was a day when I was walking past and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I can do hard things. Mm-hmm. I can do hard things. And it was, it was great for that moment, mm-hmm. but I didn't try to attribute it to anything else or any other time. I,
2: yeah. You kind of had to see how it was resonating with you or not.
0: There are a couple of affirmations that I've said before that I'm like, whatever, it's just going through the motions. And then now I'm like, Hmm, I really do feel that, you know, I feel Mm -hmm. like and I don't know if that's cognitive behavioral therapy right there (laughs) in action, (laughs) but uh, very interesting. I think maybe making a more clarifying statement might be helpful as well. Like I think creating such a blanket statement of like um, maybe an affirmation you would say is like, I'm really good at piano or something like that. You're trying to figure out something that you want to affirm yourself on. So you're like, you know what? I'm really good at piano <clears throat> and that might feel disingenuous sometimes if you're like, well, yeah, you compare me to Mozart or something, or I don't know how advanced Mozart really is, but, um, He's dead. yeah, um, maybe making a more clarifying statement of just like, uh, uh, Like I'm really good at piano when I practice or I'm really good at this song, you know, I'm really good whenever I get in the groove, like making a more clarifying statement, making it more specific might be a good way to feel more instead of me saying something like I'm good at self-care, being able to say a more simple affirmation of like, I was able to recognize whenever I need self-care. Does that make sense? Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. You've just given me my affirmation for when we sign off. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Like,
2: um, I don't have to do it all myself. I can ask for help. I think that's good for those that are kind of more, you know, if we've been really injured, we don't feel like we can rely on other people. And so we're afraid they won't follow through or they won't care or they mm-hmm. won't show up. So we tend to get more walled off. Instead of having connection and mutuality, we, we think I have to do it. Forget it. I have to do it myself. But like, what if I don't have to do it all myself? What would it look like Mm -hmm. if I could ask for help?
1: What if you had a support network?
2: Yeah, maybe I don't have to push myself so hard and I can be in connection with others in a good, healthy way. Mm -hmm. Imagine what that could look like.
1: Imagine.
0: And then practice it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so as we're kind of wrapping up this episode, um, I think that we've covered a lot of good stuff about codependency. And I'm going to post all of the different graphs that we've talked about online so that you can see what we're talking about. I think they're really useful. And, you know, um, I'm kind of in the mindset that whenever we talk about these things or whenever I talk about things with my therapist, like... Sometimes you just hear it and then it takes a couple weeks to practice Mm -hmm. it. Small little steps of just taking those little. And so I feel like I learned some things today that I'm going to definitely practice, like maybe checking in with my boundaries or maybe checking in with my body a little bit more. But yeah, does anybody else have any concluding thoughts or are we good to go on to affirmations slash gratitudes?
1: There you go. Let's do it.
0: We need like a copyrighted gratitude slash affirmations that really flows off the tongue. Oh, that's what we're going to spend the last five minutes (laughs) of (laughs) the episode on. Let's do this. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, We
1: shouldn't copyright it. Other people should be able to use it, too.
0: Maybe I just want it zingier.
1: Oh, you just want it to be attributed to yourself. So people are like, oh, (laughs) Sam Richard said that.
0: No, I think I want something catchy that I can wear on a T-shirt. Affirm yourself.
1: (laughs) Okay, that is good. (laughs) Uh, It is is a
0: start. (laughs) But anyway, uh, yeah, I feel like I always start with affirmations. So does somebody else want to start today?
1: I can start.
2: Yeah, you said you were already. I'm curious what you came up with.
1: Um, It's something that I think is attributed to quite a few people. But one of my favorite um, singers, Karen Berquist from Over the Rhine, apparently has this motto of comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And I think she got it from Theodore Roosevelt, but who knows? Everybody gets something from everywhere. But I have used this throughout my, since I've heard this, um, as I um, measure myself up or if I start to measure myself up against another person. um, And I try just to remember this, comparison is the thief of joy. So I can compare myself to Mozart as a piano player, and I will forget all of the fun, all of the contentment and the joy I felt playing the piano. Um, or if I, as a, an equestrian, you know, I can compare myself to the greats and say, Oh, I can pick out all of the pieces that I need to work on and how I've failed at this. And I didn't do this, or I can relish the moment that I have sitting on the back of a horse and participating in this activity. There's always going to be room for growth. I can identify with that, but, um, I'll never experience the, the pleasure and the joy and the, um, and take in and fill my cup if I'm constantly, um, measuring against someone else. Now cool. follow up with that. Follow that one. <laughs> now who's going to follow that one?
2: Uh, Sam? I'll, I'll go. <laughs>
0: Mom's delaying her time. I'm
2: going, hmm, <laughs> I got nothing.
0: No, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for... I'm going to go gratitude route. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty grateful for the relationships I have during COVID-19. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy who like, who I've found for supports, who I've kind of reached out to. So I'm really grateful for my network that was different than I thought it was, but it's still a great network. And so, you know, I'm feeling really content with my social life, which is something that hasn't really been the case for six months. So um, I guess, like, I'm also affirming myself that I'm glad I recognized that my social life wasn't really living up to par, Mm. and so taking actions to. Uh, change that was a good, um, like assessment of my own mental health. So boom, double follow up <laughs> that one. <laughs> I'm going to give
1: you a COVID high five, which is an air high five. Nice. <laughs> uh, hmm. Gratitude or affirmation or both.
0: It's like a better version of truth or dare. <laughs> it,
1: is, it is actually, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Cause it's a win win. Both yep. of them are good which do you want to go with? Um, I think I'm really grateful for, um, noticing just, uh, where day to by day things can change on how we're feeling. And sometimes we can feel really stressed and overwhelmed and then we can take steps to turn that around Mm -hmm. and feel better. And I think just noticing that, noticing just like the weather changing, um, our energy level shifts and ebbs Mm. and flows, our perspective ebbs and flows. It's kind of nice to know that um, we don't have to feel stuck. Mm. So I think I'm just noticing the difference of that ebb and flow and change. And um, that's a good feeling of like, if we can stick with it and, and keep putting forth effort and good things to make good investments in our time and energy, um, that it's, It's invested well. Maybe that's my affirmation then that comes out of that. Invest well. Invest. Let's invest well.
0: Sweet. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week. I'm so glad to be back in the swing of things. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be recording together uh, next time. Um, But you know what? Who knows? Uh, uh, I'm I'm fingers crossed. We're still gonna have to do community. I mean, off the beaten path, remote. So. Don't worry, Zoom. We'll still be paying your premium (laughs) fees. (laughs) But sweet. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. It was so great to see everyone again. Um, uh, We'll see you in two weeks with an off the beaten path. So awesome. See you then.